You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, and we're off and running on this Thursday, November 12th. How you how you doing? How's everyone doing on this Thursday? It is, of course, the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Another jam-packed edition. I don't know how we do it. How do I do it? I just do it. A Thursday edition lined up for you today. Of course, the uh, Cy Young's handed out yesterday. The Masters starts today. I have to, in the course of the show today, find someone to bet on them. I'm going to be watching the Masters, so I may as well, since I live in Jersey, throw a couple bucks on it, right? Make it a little bit more interesting. Do I care about Xander Shoffley under? No, not under normal circumstances. Really, not under any circumstances. But if I have a couple of bucks on Xander Shoffley, I might actually be uh, learning how to pronounce his name correctly. So maybe in the course of the show, Ray and I, and if you want to be involved, uh, we'll run through the names. I'm a very casual golf fan. I like watching the majors. It's a fun thing to watch as you're pretending to work but also taking a nap. So uh, maybe in the course, we'll kind of run through it. And uh, just judged really by names. How Do we feel confident this person could be putting on the green jacket in four days? So maybe we'll do that in the course of the day today. If we don't do it today, we're not going to be able to do it another time. Uh, and it's already week 10. Week 10 in the NFL already. Doesn't it feel like just yesterday it was the opening week and we're just getting started and we're talking about can this thing happen? Can that thing happen? How is training camp, the lack of training camp, going to impact things? Well, as it turns out, for a lot of teams, it has not impacted anybody. Chiefs still look like the Chiefs. The Jets still look like the Jets. I know Jet fans are saying it's only Week 10. Oh, my God. We still have more. Yes, you still have more. Good news. Jets are uh, only seven-point underdogs to the bye week this week, so don't have to worry about that. But you know what? Let's start with something we have not really touched on a whole bunch lately, and that is the NBA. The NBA, well, you know what? It's not that the season is actually not that far off. It's 40 days until the NBA season opens up and the NBA draft is next week. And things are starting to percolate a little bit, right? Seems like Russell Westbrook is unhappy in Houston. And it's just a matter of time before he gets traded someplace. And among the teams being listed as possibly having interest is the New York Knicks. And it raises some questions when you think about Russell Westbrook and the Knicks. My first question, just me, myself, and I, is what the hell is wrong with you and why do you hate the Knicks so much? That would be my first question I would ask about the the Knicks' interest in Russell Westbrook. Is it actually possible that Leon Rose, in his first real major, I mean, he hired a coach, but and he's hired people for the front office and all this type of stuff, but in terms of player movement, that this is going to be his first big splash. Well, look, I'm interested to see what Leon Rose does and what the Knicks do, not just in terms of the draft, but what direction they're going in, right? He gets the job, I think it was March 1st, and then less than two weeks later, obviously everything is is completely different. So the fact that he's not really gotten the chance to do anything really major so far, plus the fact he's never had this job before. It kind of leaves a pretty blank canvas. Now, when you hire somebody who is a former agent, you kind of think it's going to go in one direction. But let's give him a shot. Let's give him a chance. It's not like the Knicks have had a whole long list of successes here over a while. But uh, you have to be, first off, let, walk me through this. Because sometimes, as I say in the past, you know, sometimes I'm the crazy one. But let me, let me walk through this. And you can walk through it with me at 1-800-919-ESPN. 
So the Knicks would be looking to make a splash because God knows they're always about making a splash. They always have to make a giant splash. It's usually a belly flop, but they got to make a splash. You know, in diving, the key is to not make a splash. You're supposed to not make a splash at all. But the Knicks, they're all about making a splash. So the name Russell Westbrook. Okay. All right. Let's see how this would work. How would this mesh? How would this fit in? How would this gel? Young, you know, a young, inexperienced, not very talented roster. And here's Russell Westbrook, former MVP. Well, he is uh, now 32 years old. So, all right, maybe a little bit past his prime. Certainly not in his prime, you wouldn't say. Past his prime. And like all of us getting older, how much is he uh, set to make, Gordon? Well, interesting you ask, because that is a pretty major part of this. He is slated to make $132 million over the next three years. So let me get this straight. The Knicks, who do not have a very talented roster, who are at ground, everybody can kind of agree, right? They are ground zero of a rebuild. They have R.J. Barrett. They have Mitchell Robinson. Maybe they have another piece or two on the roster, but there's not a whole lot of talent on the roster. So you would think that maybe that the people that would be in favor of this, and they're actually, they are out there. They walk among us. That your first move would be to package some of your bad. I'm assuming, like, nobody has come up with what an actual trade proposal would look like. But I have to assume that it will not include either R.J. Barrett or Mitchell Robinson. Can we at least start there? Let's start with that. I don't know that that's true, but let's, let's at least start there. That those two guys are not part of this. But you'll find the contracts on the, the current roster to be able to make the money work. But you're going to go now and, and in a first move. Bring in a guy who is uh, past his prime, maybe not a lot past his prime, but certainly past his prime, set to make $132 million. A guy whose game, his entire game, is based on athleticism. A guy who has become, you know, less efficient over time, a guy who needs to be the focus, right? And you're going to send him to a bad team with hopefully. Uh, young players, right? I mean, I'm hoping you're not going to be trading away young players to kind of make this giant splash. And a guy who, not that it's a major part of it, but a guy who's had issues with the media in the other places he's been, including Oklahoma City. And he's unhappy in Houston. And you're going to send him to the Knicks. Sending him to the Knicks. Remember when you would do something and your father would yell at you and he'd say, you want something to cry about? I'll give you something to cry about. If he's unhappy in Houston... You want to be unhappy? I'll really make you unhappy. That would be a complete disaster. And it's so illogical that the only reason why I think people are bringing it up is because the Knicks are the Knicks. And that's the only reason why anyone would suggest it. And it's the same move, and I think actually a worse move than they've made in the past with a whole bunch. It's always with the Knicks. It's always the the get-rich-quick scheme. No, what we're going to do is we're going to take this. There's a guy I know, and we're going to invest it in this thing, and he has some insight. It's never to just do it right. Even when they tell you, this time we're going to do it right, two days later, they're doing it wrong again. It's the person who says, you know what, that's it. I've had enough. I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to get healthy. And then they're, you know, they, they go and they, uh, they find something on the internet that says eat cabbage soup for three weeks. Nothing but cabbage soup. In this case, it's like eating chocolate cake because at least 
Russell Westbrook is an exciting player. I'm not going to tell you it wouldn't be exciting to watch him on a day-in and day-out base, and certainly more exciting than the Knicks have been in quite some time. But I think the, the real excitement that you want to feel if you're a Nick fan is consistent winning. Is there any way we can make moves that will lead to consistent winning? You have a bad roster, but you have cap space you can use. You can take on a bad contract if it brings you back assets. And again, it's important before you know where you want to go to know where you are. And where the Knicks are is, again, Ground zero of a rebuild. Yeah, maybe they have some young, talented players. Maybe R.J. Barrett's going to turn into something here. Kind of had a a bizarre rookie year based on the the circumstances of life. Didn't really get a chance to have a typical rookie season. And I think I like Mitchell Robinson. I see some promise there as well. But let's not kid ourselves. The Knicks have one of the least talented rosters in the NBA. So before you figure out where you're going, where you are is ground zero. You have a lot of work to do. So yes, I would absolutely be looking to trade that cap space for a bad contract if it's bringing you back assets in the deal and not the player. That's not the asset because the Knicks are not a win-now team and Russell Westbrook is a win-now player. He's 32 again. So you don't give away your cap space for a guy who's past his prime, who can't shoot, and oh yeah, by the way, costs $40 million a year. What are we talking about? But Gordon, they have the cap space to do it. Yes, they have the cap space to do it. Why would you wipe it out in basically one fell swoop when I I think the top end, the top end of the spectrum would be, hey, maybe the Knicks are kind of like 500 and they can make the playoffs as a seven seed and then get knocked out in the first round. When you make decisions, you remove yourself from other options. And the Russell Westbrook decision, it's kind of like Robinson Cano. You know that you're going to have that guy basically for the next three years. But they could be a playoff team. Look, I doubt it. But is that really the goal to be like the seventh seed or the eighth seed? I would rather have the lottery. That's I would rather have that. If the ceiling is eighth seed, seventh seed in the East, I would rather be in the lottery. You'd rather be in the lottery. How long are you going to keep being in the lottery? Well, again, I I, I know I'm keeping repeating myself. The Knicks have a terrible roster. Russell Westbrook or one star player is not turning that around. So I'm hoping with Tibbs, there's going to be some development of R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson and, and adding assets and adding another draft pick this year, which we'll get to in a second. And here's the thing. When you're trying to stop, you know, you're trying to turn things around, the first thing to do is stop making the same mistake over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. And here's the thing. You know, I say about building things the right way, taking your time, being patient, looking to make incremental changes and not big some one big fell swoop like you know something more than everybody else does. We've tried your way. We've tried that way. You've never tried my way. Not for any experience. It, again, it's like getting back to the, da- the uh, diet analogy. Well, you know, I've been on this diet for three days and I've only lost a pound. Yeah, you got to give it some time. You're 350 pounds. What do you think? It's going to happen overnight? 
All of a sudden, somebody's going to come in with a magic wand. You're going to have washboard abs? No. We've tried your way. You've never tried mine. And the, the Westbrook, I, I keep saying it's a classic Nick move. I think it's actually worse. And let me just say this. If any of you out there are saying, you know what, this would put the Knicks into the spotlight with Brooklyn. I don't think that anybody actually believes that, but that is something people say from time to time without thinking. Nobody cares about Brooklyn. The Nets are a legitimate title contender, at least an Eastern Conference contender for this upcoming season. The Knicks are no place. And people will still focus on whatever story involves the Knicks because they have actual fans and people actually care about them. So the Knicks have spent time, Leon Rose's time, adding to the front office staff, building up the scouting department, building up player development. If what you do after doing all that, your first big move is to trade for Russell Westbrook, then I'm sorry, you are clueless. And all those previous things, which I think might be good move, I don't know. They are all for, they're all pointless. They're all absolutely pointless. I want to build something from scratch to actually build things the right way for one time, one single time. Can we have a couple of seasons of just trying it this way? And I think the Knicks are actually in a pretty good position in terms of things pointing upward, right? A, they're at ground zero. Things can't get much worse. But just as soon as the Jets have overtaken the Knicks as the biggest laughing stock in this town, it's almost like the Knicks, and I don't know that the Knicks are going to do this or not, but if people that want them to do this and they actually end up doing it, just when the Jets are like the biggest mistake in town, all of a sudden, here come the Knicks. Well, we'll see about that. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get your phone calls involved. We'll talk to you on the NBA draft because there is something, and I don't know how likely it is. Maybe it's not likely. But there is one possibility that actually is intriguing to me. It's not Russell Westbrook. I can tell you that right now. But there is an intriguing possibility. I'm interested to see if by uh, next uh, Thursday, the draft, I think it is that if they actually could go this route, it would actually kind of get me a little bit excited. So we'll get into that coming up. we got the Regal Tumble coming up. The results from yesterday, very controversial. Michael K. Show's 20 and 20 contest continues today, 3 p.m., because that's what time their show starts. Be listening for your chance at 20 great prizes over 20 great days. To make your home life a little more enjoyable today, guys are giving away a Sonos Move Portable Wi-Fi Speaker. It's the 20 and 20 contest is brought to you by PC Richard and Son, Kansas City Steak, the Bardishan Premium Cocktails on Demand, and 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. So look, um, we open with the, the Westbrook and the Knicks stuff, and I, I don't think that that's going to happen. God, I hope not. I mean, I always talk about, you know, you like to be able to feed different fan bases, right? We talk about the Jets and the Jets, the Jets tree is, is filled every day with fruit. Every single day, it seems like the Jets can come up with something. Somehow, against all odds, they give us something more to talk about. And you'll pick the, the, the tree clean of all the fruit. And yet the next day, the Jets will have done something somewhere. Gase, Joe Douglas, an injury. This, the fruit is right back up there. If the Knicks end up making this Russell Westbrook deal or some sort of deal for Russell Westbrook where they're trading away assets to bring in this guy, I'm going to go out there with an axe and chop the tree down. Because, and I'll make sure it's dead. 
Uh, what, what did that guy do with the, uh, what was it, the Auburn tree a few years ago? Or the Alabama, was oh, the Alabama fan, right? And he went to the, 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 the Auburn tree and he poisoned it. I'm going to contact that guy and I'm going to kill the next tree. Because I just can't take it anymore. I can't take it. I think I that guy take... went to jail, Gordon. He did go to jail. This is a figurative tree. I'm just saying, I'm not <laughs> going to actually do something illegal. My look, my personal look would not play well in prison for me. Uh, I'm a little too, uh, I'm a little too dainty. So uh, I don't think that that would work for me. So I'm not committing any crimes. But in terms of, uh, the, you know, just the figurative Nick tree, I'd have to end it. I'd have to, uh, I'd have to absolutely end it. I couldn't take it anymore. All right. So that, look, I understand that Leon Rose probably wants to make a big splash. And I think that there is a way for him to do it and do it in the right way. Do it in a different way. Right? Like, I don't know, could still be a mistake, but you know what? Let's at least make new mistakes, right? Rather than making the same old mistake time and time and time again. Let's make a fresh mistake. Let's do something that we don't know going in is a mistake. How about that? Whoa, wouldn't that be interesting? Rather than doing the same things over and over well, it turns out this didn't work. Yeah, it hasn't worked the last 25 times. Why would it work now? And you know, that's how you know Nick fans are just so beaten down. That they, like when they, a lot of the times that people bring this up, they're like, well, I know that it's, they're not going to be good, but they'll just be exciting. They're not going to win anyway. So now you've removed winning from even the equation. We're not even going to try to win. Let's just have a guy who's exciting. And yet I hear people talking all the time. And it makes me want to pull my hair out. Do we have the cut of Jay Will? Jay Will was on with Barton Hahn, was it yesterday? And he was talking about that Russell Westbrook to the Knicks. I think he, I think he said it would be a, a good fit. Here is Jay Will. This is why I think Russ to New York makes sense. But every time I see Russ, Russ is like Trijeka Film Festival. Russ <laughs> is like Fashion Week in New York City. I see Russ living on Madison Ave, like in the sky. Like, I just feel him being in the city. And I don't know, you and I both know this, but we're dying as a player that wants to be here, that wants to be that guy in New York City. Who better and what better persona to own that than Russell Westbrook and say, this is the team I want to build and this is the dynasty I want to lead? I, I just can't. I mean, I just can't. So he's exciting. Can we have a play? Can we get a guy in here who wants to be here and also is going to be helping facilitate winning on the long term, not in the short term? And I get it. It might be a great move for him, right? Getting to live in New York City, getting to, to, to take all that, that's, that this part of the city in. That's great. Fantastic for him. How about for the Knicks? How about, a, how about making a great move for the Knicks? rather than a great move for Russell Westbrook. Oh, my God. I, I just can't, I can't take it anymore. I could understand. Like, I get it. He, he's, a, he's a guy who is, you know, an unbelievable talent. But that is not the move the Knicks need to make. And it's a move again, as I said. They, I, I've made the point a thousand times because they keep making the – I think, Ray, what we should do is just record – one of these things where I just, you know, it's like an evergreen piece where I just say the Knicks, this is not the type of move that they need. And we can just replay it time and time and time again. It's crazy. All right. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. So the draft is next week. And I said, look, if Leon Rose wants to make a splash, the, the Russell Westbrook or CP3, those are not the ways to make it. I see the mock drafts. 
right? And they're all over the place. And, and somebody's got to be right. But it seems like a year where a lot of teams, at least according to the reports, everybody wants to trade down, but nobody wants to trade up. You have to have two to tango, right? The Knicks are sitting at eight. And the mock drafts, again, it, it seems like nobody really, there's not that one foundation or two or three foundational guys where you say, this guy, you know, he's going to walk in and no question he's going to be a star. Three years from now, this guy's going to be great or he's going to come in right away and going to be great. I think if I were the Knicks and I'm looking to make a splash, and, and I get it, right? New regime, fresh start. Knicks haven't played in forever. It feels like three years ago since they played. If you get to a point where LaMelo Ball is still available at three, I would be interested to see what it would cost the Knicks to move up. Can you package your pick and one of the Dallas picks or, you know, uh, a Dallas pick and something else? Not, obviously, Mitchell Robinson, not R.J. Barrett. Maybe it's unlikely. Maybe it is unlikely. Maybe you can't move up to that spot. But I've seen things where Ball goes one. I've seen things where Ball goes four. So if he's, you know, if you're talking about nobody want, everybody wants to trade down and nobody wants to trade up, maybe that's a way. And I think that that would be more exciting and, to me, a more realistic way to say, you know what, we got this young team. We're not going to bring in a ball-dominant guard past his prime making $40 million a year where we know that's not going to work. Now, again, I'm not saying that LaMelo Ball is, is a guaranteed, right? Doesn't play defense, doesn't really seem to have any interest in playing defense. And he doesn't have a great shot. But I think those things can be, can be taught and can be improved, especially the defense. First thing about defense, if you have to want to try. You, want to have to, you have to want to play it. So I don't know. Maybe they, they can, whoever they get in the draft is going to be about developing that player. And I think Ball, at least, on the talent ratio, I think he's higher up than a lot of the other ones. And I think that he will turn out to be probably the best player in the draft. And he has a lot of things. If you read the scouting reports, you watch, he has a lot of things that you just can't teach, right? He's a great passer off the dribble. He's a good rebounder. He's got great size, pretty good handle, can change direction pretty well. Uh, so if I were the Knicks and I was looking to make a splash and I was looking to do something that would get the fan base fired up, I'm not telling you that there's not some warts with um, LaMelo Ball, but I think I'd be willing to take those warts, and I think those warts are more fixable than some of the other players. It certainly seems like if the Knicks stay at eight, it's either going to be Toppin or, or the guy Vassal because they're CAA clients. So I don't know. Uh, but if the Knicks want to make a splash, I think that's a far more reasonable way. And in terms of selling it, I think you could sell that move to a fan base who's already buying in anyway, right? And Knicks fans are the most loyal. You know that by the fact they're still Knicks fans. I think that you can say, look, we got these young pieces. This is the way we're going to go. And here's the thing about like a Russell Westbrook type trade. You can always make that trade down the road. If you want to bring in an established star, I think you'll be able to do that. And maybe the player won't be Russell Westbrook, but I think that they won't be making $132 million over the next three years. And it would make a little bit more reasonable sense. You could always make that trade down the road, generally because it's a mistake for you to make it. And there's always a team willing to allow you to make a mistake. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go out to uh, Sal in Brooklyn. Sal, what's going on, my man? Gordon, good morning. How are you? I'm good, man. What's up? All right, listen, you know, you're not wrong with uh, Westbrook. Why take on $40 million? When you look at the other teams, especially here in the East, between Toronto, Boston, and Miami, 
Westbrook is not going to get these Knicks any closer within the next three to five years, or CP3 for that matter. That's what you got to look at, right? If you want to build from the bottom up and you want to look long-term, you look at the other teams in front of you that are practically just as young, and uh, a move like that really don't help. It kind of hinders you. Uh, you just made a comment on LaMelo Ball. You said uh, there are certain things you can't teach. Yeah, and shooting is one of them, man. The kid can't shoot, so I don't uh, go I think you can, I mean, over time, if you care enough kid, about it, though, Sal, it. you can teach it. I mean, you can you can improve it. Oh, no, not in the NBA. You can't. I mean, look at look at Simmons. All that big hype, this and that, and they leave him alone to shoot because he can't. You just can't teach a shot, man. Either either you can score or you can't score. I mean, I know there are other games. I think he can score. I don't think he's got a great three-point shot uh, ball, uh, and I think that that's something you have to obviously improve upon. Uh, but the other, you know, I mean, as a point guard, he's a playmaker. He's a, he's a great passer. Uh, he's got good size. You know, look, there's no guy that in this draft this year that you can say, no question about it, this guy is going to be a superstar. So, I mean, I'd be willing to take a, a, a look on, on somebody like him because he has traits that the other guys, you can't, t- you know, you can't teach size. I don't think you can make a, a playmaker where somebody is not. So I'd be more willing, if I have to make a move, right? Like, if I have to make some sort of splashy move to get the fan base fired up, that would be one that I'd be far more interested in than the, the, the Westbrook move. Stout still there? All right, that's all right. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. All right, it is the Gordon Damer Show. We'll take more of your phone calls, uh, but we have to get to the Regal Tumble. It's what everybody's talking about. Everybody's buzzing about it. Yesterday, the results, very, very close. And it was almost like, and I'll give you the little inside story coming up, it was almost like the vote was going to be stolen away, but it did not turn out to be the case. Look at this! Oh, you're kidding me. Michaels, are you going to beat Bret Hart with a sharpshooter? Yes, he is! Are you kidding me? Some would say, I screwed Bret Hart. Bret Hart would definitely tell you, I screwed him. I'll look at it from a different standpoint. I look at it from the standpoint of the referee did not screw Bret Hart. Shawn Michaels certainly did not screw Bret Hart. Nor did Vince McMahon screw Bret Hart. I truly believe that Bret Hart screwed Bret Hart. And he can look in the mirror and know that. Bret screwed Bret. Oh, the Montreal screw job. It was this week. It was not today, but it was this week. 23 years ago. That's 23 years ago. Wow. And I always I was kind of out of wrestling watching by that point. But I always kind of assumed that it was it was a work, right? Like it was but I think it was actually real. Although there's still some people that say it was a work, right? But it seems like it would be too perfect that you would be really requiring a lot of people to never kind of spill the beans on it. I don't think anybody's ever spilled the beans that it was that it was a work, that it wasn't real. So there you go. The I actually, what, when I was researching that sound, I went down the rabbit hole. And yeah, you when, have to. When, you when, the show's, when the show's off the air, I've, I've, I've got a lot of interesting articles to okay, read. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I, look, I, I love going down that, uh, that wormhole sometimes, you know? And it, it's, it, you'd have to say that, well, let's say it is true, right? Let's say everything that we think is true is true. I think Vince McMahon was right. I mean, that's like the most famous wrestling match of all. We're talking about it 23 years later. And uh, it's still like a, a thing in the, you know, that's in the pop culture. Just drop the Montreal title, man. Just What's drop that? the title. 
All he had to do was drop the title. Yeah. Well, well, I think the the, the plan was for him to lose. It. He didn't want to lose it to Brett My- uh, to Brett Michaels. To Sean right? Michaels. Yeah. Oh, he, Sean he, Michaels. He, Michaels he wasn't a Sean else. Michaels fan. Right. No. If, if if he lost it to Brett Michaels, that would really be weird. that would have been something. Yeah. That would have been really that would have been out there even for the WWE. Uh, all right. So there you go. Your moment of inspiration for this. Um, this uh, Thursday morning, 1-800-919-ESPN is the phone number. We still have a lot of stuff to do. We'll get your phone calls in in just a second. But it is time, of course, for the Regal Tumble. And today is day number 19. Day number 19 already. And look, the Regal Tumble is the battle for television supremacy. Yesterday, I would have to say the vote was almost stolen. Almost. Yesterday's entry, if you remember, Entourage. Started out very strong. And at this point, you'd have to say, Soprano seems pretty safe. Seinfeld seems pretty safe. But The Wire, that third show in the mix, after being able to oust The Office the way they did in the last second, they've been a very vulnerable number three. So yesterday, Entourage, which is a big favorite with a lot of people, it seemed like maybe, possibly, but then one of the guys at the station... Well, inside radio here, we have a young guy that works here, Jake Montgomery. Great guy. Fantastic. He's been learning to run the board, so maybe he'll be filling in for Ray here or, th- here or there. Who knows? Um, he got wind that w- that, was his, that was his big show. He loves Entourage. That it was in the vote and it was in trouble. And all of a sudden, I was watching, the numbers started changing. It was in trouble. He sent out the word to his, uh, his Twitter battalion, I guess. And things were very, very close for a while. But... In the end, people with actual taste came through. So Entourage, valiant effort, far more effort than they put into the actual scripts, unfortunately, bites the dust. So Entourage is gone, finished with 15.6% of the vote. Not a terrible uh, percentage for a one, one and done, but The Wire survives. Survives in advance, almost like the NCAA tournament. Survives in advances and just kind of keeps hanging around. So who knows? As long as you're still in the mix, you still have a chance to win the thing in the end. And critically, the wire has to be right up, not with the voters so far, but who knows? Maybe this contest might go so long, you might be able to, uh, to binge watch all five seasons of the wire. But there you go. So it's day number 19. The three shows that we know are still there. They are, of course... Sopranos, the overall favorite so far of those that are in the mix. Also, of course, we have Seinfeld, very strong, although the numbers on Seinfeld have dropped a little bit. I've noticed that uh, day in and day out. And then, of course, number three is the aforementioned The Wire. The Wire. So, all right, so we're day number 19, still some big shows. to uh, I, Look, people think that, well, it's going to come down to The Sopranos and Seinfeld. Trust me. There are major, major shows that are not too far on the horizon. Only I know the secret list, but I will tell you right now, there is one, there's at least two shows in the next week, I would say, that could win the whole thing, that could absolutely win the whole thing. Wow. Is, yeah, Paul Neal, you better be excited. So let's get, is, is one of those shows today? Let's find out. Today's entry. Let's do the countdown. <laughs> This is not a, a recognizable theme song, and this is a show that I watch, but I would not know this. This is a very generic theme song. But there you go, the jazz trumpet there, or whatever that is. That kind of gives it away. Homeland, the Showtime. Is that still on? 
I feel like that's one of those shows where people, oh, it's they're doing one more season. Another season? It's one of those things where you get an extra one. It's like, oh, bonus, bonus season. Yeah, bonus season. I don't know if I need any bonus seasons. I think I'm good. That was one of those shows. When you have, when your television taste game, like mine, is on point, flawless. I mean, just flawless. You'll get into conversations with people at events when we used to still have events. Uh, and they'll tell you, well, you know what show I'm watching? I'm, have you seen Homeland? And every time you're like, oh my God, Homeland. They inevitably bring up Homeland. In TV, for a great show, you have to have guts. You have to have real stakes. And Homeland had the, they had a shot at it. Season one, the, the, the character Brody was clearly designed to wipe out everybody in that bunker. Remember that? Spoiler alert. If you have not seen, don't bother. It's, 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 you don't have to go back. Uh, but he was clearly with the vest and everything. He was clearly designed. They, the original script had him wiping everybody out. But then they realized Brody's a very popular character, so he can't have that. And it would have been an epic landing. Oh my gosh, that would have been that would have been take your breath away. That would have been Red Wedding of uh, Game of Thrones. And uh, they wimped out. They had his daughter, right? The daughter called. They were all in this bunker, this government bunker. And his daughter calls him. How do you find the number for that in like 10 minutes? Not very realistic. But look, it's not up to me. It's up to you. So there you go. Day number 19. The entry for today is Homeland. And I can pop it up right now. It is up. It is on Twitter. It is at Gordon Damer. Who knows? And at this point, I think it's for Homeland, I think a, a solid showing would be to wipe out the wire. That I think that that's the first goal. I don't know if, if Homeland really has a shot to win this whole thing. But again, the Gordon Damer show bears no responsibility whatsoever for any of these nominations. I didn't nominate them. You did. So it's your fault. You the people. And you're the ones who vote. So there you go. It's up on Twitter. It is at Gordon Damer. Your four entries for today. Again, Seinfeld, Sopranos, The Wire, and Homeland. And you can vote on Twitter at Gordon Damer. Day number 19. I, I think I mislabeled it. It's actually day number 19. I think I have still day number 18. Doesn't matter. Uh, but you can vote and, and certainly do so. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's get back to the phone calls. Do we have, uh, is it Anthony in Staten Island? Anthony, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hello. Hey, Anthony, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, Gordon? Uh, I told you a couple weeks ago about the Giants and Jets, how they always screw up the draft, and you are just spot on with the Knicks this week. Dan Westbrook would be an absolute terrible idea. Next year's draft class is absolutely loaded. They should play for a draft pick. And your LaMelo ball stuff, I love. His brother, though, the same thing. They said he couldn't play any defense. He's almost an all-defensive performer. You can totally teach defense to somebody. And Jason Kidd, they said he couldn't shoot. And look at him by the end of the year. He was competent, at least. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's one thing if you don't have the physical attributes to play defense. From what I have seen and what I have read about Ball, it's that he didn't have any interest in doing it, right? Like, yeah, if you, if you, if you, can, if you can, and I think coaching is part of that, right? Like, it's stressing to him the importance of defense and making at least an effort on the defensive end. If you can stress that to him and, and get through to him, and that's Tom Thibodeau's job is to to get through to all players of what's the best for the team I think you could absolutely teach that and and your shot um I think a lot of his problem is that he just takes these crazy shots if you could just eliminate that uh I think would be a massive improvement now look I'm not saying that you have to give up the farm to go get him but it seems like a year this year 
where there's a bunch of teams at the top of the draft who want to move down. There's no consensus on who the number one pick, two pick, three pick, four pick. You know, I've seen Ball still be available in some of these mock drafts at number four. To move up from eight to four in a year where everybody seems like they want to move down, it doesn't seem like it would be cost prohibitive. Let's put it that way. I don't think you have to break the bank to move up those four spots. All right, there you go, Anthony. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get more of your phone calls in. But, look, the Masters opens up today, and I'm going to watch it. And how do – sometimes, you know, as a sports talk show host or a sports fan, you watch these things, you're not really super interested in it, but a good way, a very consistent way to be interested in it is to bet on it. So I'm going to put my own money, my actual real, I got my FanDuel account up. I'll give you some of the odds. We'll run through some of the names. And I don't know that much about, you know, I know some of the big names, you know, Bryson DeChambeau or Dustin Johnson or these guys. We have to figure out who do we feel like by Sunday will be wearing the green jacket? Who can we envision based basically on their name and what we know about them? So I'll, we'll figure that out coming up. The Regal Tumble, day number 19, is up. It is running. And today's entry is a Homeland, the H, uh, the uh, excuse me, the Showtime drama, which we have still not confirmed whether or not it is still on. I, I, I stopped watching. I think it was... A, I used to just hate watch it because it was just so bad and so predict and so illogical. I used to ho- I used to hate watch it for a while, and then uh, finally somebody said, "Well, you, you don't like the show. Why are you?" I said, "You know what? You're right. I shouldn't I shouldn't watch the show if I don't like it." But there are a lot of people out there who uh, think that they have uh, good taste in television shows, and uh, they used to tell me about Homeland all the time, and I would roll my eyes with my my snotty attitude that I have about TV shows. But you can vote on it if you're uh, if, look, and we'll see if the wire gets eliminated. We'll see that we're getting close to a double elimination, very, very close. And again, the rules for double elimination under fifteen percent. So we'll see if that happens today. Homeland, Seinfeld, Sopranos, The Wire, they are up. I did want to touch on the baseball just a little bit. And uh, yes, now look, I realize I have been set straight by Met fans that the club will be signing, among others, Trevor Bauer. JT Real Muto, George Springer, they're going to sign Bauer again. They're going to sign him, and then they're going to re-sign him after, three days after signing the first contract. That's how much Steve Cohen wants to win. He, he realizes that you don't remember who's in second place or third place. I mean, he, he just knocked it out of the park with that press conference. It was amazing. Nobody has ever said any of the things that Steve Cohen said in that press conference. So yesterday, now they have not they have not done any of the other things yet. It's still very early on. Bauer or Real Muto or Springer, but those things haven't happened. They did bring back Marcus Stroman yesterday. Or I should say Marcus Stroman kind of brought himself back, right? He accepts the qualifying offer and uh, almost $19 million. And he can talk about how he loves the Mets and he loves Steve Cohen and he loves his passion. It's the $19 million. And no, who begrudges him that? He was not going to get a contract for $19 million a year elsewhere, so he stayed with the Mets. Good thing for him. And I don't actually think it's a bad thing for the Mets. I, don't, I think I'm of the belief that there are no bad one-year contracts. So you have money. You, can, you have it to spend. This, I only care about the money when it prevents you from doing other things. Stroman 
And that money should not prevent you from doing other things. Now, I don't think he's a number two starter. I think if you're thinking playoffs next year, you do have to go out and, and sign someone else in, in addition to that. Noah Syndergaard's not going to be ready for the start of the year. You still got DeGrom, and uh, you need to add to that. And I think the Mets will add to that. They have to add to that. After talking this big game about they're going to sign basically everybody, at least Mets fans seem to be of the impression they're going to sign everybody, they have to go out and now sign, uh, you know, another big pitcher. I don't know who that pitcher is. I don't know if it's Trevor Bauer. Based on the fact that they're they're talking and, and batting their eyes at each other, it certainly seems like that's the case. And boy, oh boy, has has Trevor Bauer, the guy who was all about, oh, I'm only going to sign one-year contracts. I mean, he is working the game to, to sign some big money deal someplace. He is working that. He's talking about this team. I love Garrett Cole. You know, we don't have that much of a relationship anymore, but I'd have no problem putting that aside to uh, play for the Yankees. I don't think the Yankees are going to. I'm really interested to see what the Yankees do. Now, they're, they have to re-sign DJ LeMahieu. They have, I mean, there's no. they have to re-sign him uh, because then all of a sudden the, the offseason becomes very, very difficult. The, if you don't re-sign DJ LeMahieu, then you really, I mean, how are you improving the team? You've just taken the team MVP and really the American League MVP off the team. And it seems like it's a very difficult call then, how you improve the team, because even now it seems like the only things that are really being mentioned is just kind of bringing back everybody and giving it another go. And that's not really improving the team. So uh, I'll be interested to see, uh, you know, just what happens with, uh, with DJ LeMahieu. And it, se- it certainly seems like, you know, the idea of maybe getting him for another two-year deal or three-year deal, at least the talk, I heard Passon on. Do we have the cut of Passon talking on the K-Show yesterday where it seems like four years is like the, the, the floor and he might actually have to go five years? So uh, do we have that cut, Ray? DJ LeMahieu, hit it. DJ LeMahieu is the New York Yankees' top priority. There's absolutely no question about that. And I think when you've got the skills that he does, when you've got the performance that he does, when you've got the versatility that he does, he's the kind of guy who can go out into the market and get multiple multi-year offers from teams that are willing to pay $20-plus million a year. I think when it's all said and done, we're probably talking a four-year deal, maybe if the bidding gets hot and heavy, five years at 20-plus. But but to me, I, I think Kylie McDaniel, uh, who's our, our great prospects writer and scout at ESPN, nailed it. Uh, he said four years, $88 million. And I think he's going to be uh, within 10% at most of where DJ LeMahieu winds up. All right, so there you go. Four years, 88, done, sold. It's not my money, but go ahead. I'm buying those roast beef sandwiches when I go to Yankee Stadium. I'm buying four pints of ice cream and uh, that big baseball cap. So four years, 88 million, that does it for me. So we'll see uh, if uh, the Yankees can get that done here before too long. But, I mean, like if you don't bring back DJ LeMahieu, that kind of forces your hand to make – I mean, you have to be making moves. And the fact that the Mets seem like they're going to have this very active offseason, I know they're not competing directly, or at least they won't say that, but you're competing directly. You know, it's been brought up a thousand times. People that were rooting for the Mets in 86, they were rooting for the Yankees in 96. So assuming we have fans in the stands again, you can't go into this offseason – and just stand pat, never mind lose people, and expect that you know Yankee fans are going to be like uh, all pumped up for the season when you've been knocking on the door here for the last few years and have not been able to kick through the door. And it, it seems like you're getting further away from the door if you don't bring back DJ Lemieux. All right, um, the, the Masters. I mentioned it. Let's uh, let's run down some of the uh, list of possibilities here. 
because I'm going to be putting some – if I'm watching it this weekend, and I want to be watching it this week, it seems like it's going to be a little rainy. I don't have to watch the Jets this week, so that's a delight. The Giants game actually has some meaning, so I'm excited about that. Whether or not it has meaning when the game is over, we'll see. Uh, all right, so here are the odds. The U.S. Masters 2020 outright betting odds. Obviously, the favorite going in. There's two favorites, co-favorites. Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson. They're both plus 800. Then you have John Ram at uh, plus 1,000. Justin Thomas plus 1,200. Rory McIlroy plus 1,300. Xander Shoffley plus 1,500. Brooks Kepka plus 1,800. All right, let's leave it to those right now. Bryson DeChambeau seems like he's the story, and I think it was the, the U.S. Open. I came down between him and John Ram, and I threw money on John Ram, and obviously I screwed that up. So uh, I'm a little, still a little ticked off that Bryson DeChambeau, and I just feel like there's just too much focus on him that he's not going to be the guy who wins it overall. Ray, do you have any strong feelings betting-wise? If I said to the name to you, John Ram, Masters champ, does that feel right? Not at all, honestly. Really? When you mentioned, when you mentioned Bryson DeChambeau. That sounds like a name that wins the Masters. Exactly. All right. What about if I told you Dustin Johnson? Is Dustin Johnson a name? Masters champion Dustin Johnson. Well, I, I at least know who Dustin Johnson is somewhat, right. so I, I can kind of see that, you know? Okay. What about Justin Thomas? Is that too, is that too vanilla for a golfer? There's, Justin some, re- there's some really generic names Yeah, out very there. generic name. I will say this. Rory McIlroy has been close a bunch of times. He seems like he always finishes in the top 10. I don't think he's going to win. I think that if he were going to win by now, he would have kind of kicked in the door by now. Uh, so he's out on me. Uh, Xander Shoffley feels a little too golfy. You know what I mean? It's a little too out there just based on the name. But I like the plus 1,500. I might, I might throw a, a buck or two down on him. Brooks Kepka, he's been hurt a lot. He's been a little inconsistent. You know the name that I really like? It's kind of golfy, but not too golfy. Patrick Cantley. That seems like a guy. Masters champion Patrick Cantley. That feels right to me. Bubba Watson, nah. Patrick Reed, nah. Patrick Cantley feels right to me. So I might throw I might throw a couple of bucks down on Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, at plus 800, that's still pretty good odds, uh, even though he's the favorite. And then Patrick Cantley, he's at plus 2,500. Oh, daddy got a new pair of shoes. That would be fantastic. A little bit of that. All right, that's going to do it for us for today, right? We're already out of time. Is that correct? We're already out of time. Please vote on the Regal Tumble. It's up on Twitter. People have told me, yes, Homeland has ended, but the vote has just begun. So you can vote on Twitter at Gordon Damer for the Regal Tumble. We'll be back tomorrow, Friday, for a big show. But, of course, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin up next, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.